I'm Megan Wagner, a student pharmacist from Farmington Hills, Michigan. Hi, I'm Caitlin Jarrell, a student pharmacist from Dexter, Missouri. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, a student pharmacist from Meridian, Mississippi. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. In this episode, we talked to Kelly Goode, a past president of the American Pharmacists Association and professor of pharmacy at the Virginia Commonwealth University School of Pharmacy, about relationship building to advance your practice. Hi, I'm Stuart Haynes. And I'm Megan Brown. We're from the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. And we're really fortunate today to have Kelly Good with us. Uh, Kelly has been a pioneer in community pharmacy practice settings, having developed a practice at Ucrops Pharmacy in Richmond, Virginia some years ago. And more recently, she's been involved with federally qualified community health centers. So Kelly, it's really great to have you on the Pharmacy Forward podcast. Thanks, Stuart and Megan. I'm really excited to be here today. Talking about relationship building is very important to moving practice forward. Thank you for being here today, Kelly. So I can remember early on in my career um, working in a community health center and trying to build relationships uh, with the providers there. And it just seemed like the provider that we were working with was just, you know, fine with having us in the building, but never really wanted to engage with us. And that was very difficult for me initially, um, trying to really understand, you know, how we could help her more. And she really just struggled with um, accepting our recommendations and really wanted to see the patient first without hearing what we had to say about the patient. And so that was very difficult for me initially. And I know that there are some key things that we've got to do to help build those relationships. So tell us about a hard lesson that you've learned about relationship building in the community setting, or if you've experienced anything similar to that. Megan, yes, I certainly have. And so the story that I'll sort of tell is, as I was getting started to help develop patient care services with UCROPS Pharmacy, we were developing an asthma program for patients. And we had arranged a visit with a physician office that was a group practice to talk with them about how we could help them manage their patients with asthma. And we were planning on lots of education. And so we put together, those were the early days of PowerPoint. We put together a nice PowerPoint presentation and we had our projector and we also had, UCROPS was famous for box lunches and so we had box lunches for the staff and for the physicians and we went, we were all dressed up. I took the pharmacist with me and we were ready to go and had the presentation down and we gave the presentation and we were fortunate the physician stayed for lunch and stayed to listen to our presentation. We went through exactly what we could do for them and and how to take care of their patients with asthma and how we could help their patients. And I sort of got stopped in my tracks when the physician looked at me and said, well, we do a full day of education for our patients with asthma, our newly diagnosed patients. And so we're doing here in the office, everything that you just told us that you could do for us. And so what I learned from that was really make sure that we understand what they might need from us before we tell them what we think that they need. And so that really didn't set a good stage for for building the relationship. And I really didn't have a response to the physician at that time about, well, what else we could do? And I probably should have thought a little bit maybe getting to know the needs first. 
So Kelly, that's a great story. I think many of us have faced that. You know, we make assumptions about what the needs of practice group or a physician or providers might be, and then we go in and make a presentation, make a pitch, or or we make assumptions, and then we are feel kind of hurt a little bit when they don't really seem to be receptive to the ideas because we really don't understand their needs so much. I think there's lots of barriers to relationship building in a community setting that are kind of unique. And I'm, I'm wondering what you perceive some of those barriers to be and how did you personally go about trying to address and overcoming some of those barriers? You're right, Stuart. There are a couple of different barriers in, in a community-based practice when we look at maybe a health system or an ambulatory care practice where the teams of providers might be there physically together. So I think that the location is, is sometimes a problem because the pharmacy may be isolated from the other healthcare team members. And so communication becomes difficult and you're not talking to them face-to-face. You can't walk down the hall and ask a question. You either have to make a phone call or you have to send a fax and you may or may not get a response. So one way that we overcame that was really making visits to physicians and trying to make sure that we were reaching out to the provider, whether it's the physician, the nurse, on the staff, the nurse practitioner, have them see a face with that voice that they may hear over the phone. And then when you get to know them in that situation, then you can say, hi, Molly, this is Kelly on the pharmacist. Remember, we talked the other day. And so we did a lot of that outreach to help overcome that location. And then the other piece is really the practice model. When we look at that in community pharmacy is that you're just so busy doing the things that you need to do really to get medications to patients, that sometimes it's difficult to sort of stop and build those relationships and you don't have time because you're so busy taking care of all the things that need to be taken care of in the course of a day. So you really have to think about putting an effort in, and to begin with relationships are really hard work. And But when you add location and when you add the timing and, and the things that you're doing in a busy day, you have to sort of step back and the way to do that, I think, in a busy practice is it really can change a little bit in your practice model beyond just that traditional model that we're, we've seen for so long. Yeah. Are there any specific practice model, particularly workflow changes that you've tried to implement in your practice or you've seen others implement in their practice that you think work particularly well that kind of free up a little bit of your time to do that relationship building work? So a lot of it is, is built around, I think, using your, your ancillary staff. And we would try it at, when I started to use the pharmacy technician in, in a lot of those roles and using them as much as we can to do the things that the, they can do. And we call them patient care associates to try to get them involved in, in the care of patients. They're so using them, frees up the pharmacist to do those things that you can begin with relationship building. And it also helps you build relationships with those technicians because now they're, they're taking on more and more responsibility and, and part of they're now part of that team. And so we did a lot of that and moving the pharmacists out front to where they're talking with patients. And several models have, pharmacist models have used that where the pharmacist is the first point of entry. And I don't know 
that that's necessarily how you have to do that, but that sort of the pharmacist takes care of all those problems at the front end versus the back end. We finally got a drop off and a pickup because our workflow all went to the same window of taking care of patients. And we were able to at least change that a little bit to free the pharmacist up to be able to build relationships with patients and, and with staff and then use that time to, to build relationships with other healthcare providers. Yeah, so really separating the drop-off from the pickup window. You can then station the pharmacist at the drop-off point, I guess, to have that first interaction with the patient, make sure all questions and information that's necessary to move that forward is, is already built into the process, yeah. Yeah, and I would I would totally agree with that. Um, you know, our technicians are so great with patients, and um, I agree, Kelly. I've in my experience working in the community pharmacy, it's been helpful to kind of give them a different title. I think that's really helped too. You know, along with being a technician, but you're also a patient, like you said, patient care support staff. I think that really gives them something to push toward, and that really helps you utilize your ancillary staff well. Um, so tell us about your your thoughts about what is a key relationship that helped you be successful in developing your practices um, and, and kind of how did those develop? So there were several key relationships, I think, when I worked with in the community-based setting and working with the director of pharmacy was, was really key. And years that I worked with him and worked with UCOPS is some of the best of my, of my professional career and having that relationship with, with the director of pharmacy. And then we had relationship beyond just workplace and getting to know each other's families, et cetera. So it goes beyond just even the workplace. And then the physician that we worked with locally that sort of helped move our practice forward um, by being a supporter of, of what we were doing and, and signing our immunization protocols and became a huge advocate for us. We were one of the first pharmacy chains in Virginia to give immunizations. And now, gosh, that seems so long ago that we were fighting those battles to be able for pharmacists to be able to immunize. And we spent a lot of time talking with him about things we could do with him, sign several of our collaborative practice agreements. So having him as an advocate was very important. And we learned a lot from him, too, about what we could do with getting other providers or other physicians or nurse practitioners in, bought into our practice. And when we think about sort of that relationship is that one of the things that he asked us to do when we started early on to do immunizations, he said, you know, one of my quality measures for my patients is that I have to have shown that they got a flu shot. I don't have to give it, but I have to document and know that I that the patient has had it because that increases my percentage of patients who are immunized. And so his request of us was that we send a note to every physician that we gave a patient their flu shot. So it's really working together about how we can help them and then how he can help us. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do remember, too, um, when I was a resident, just to kind of echo what you've said about, especially in the community setting, having that kind of administrative support. Um, I was a community pharmacy resident, and having the pharmacy district manager um, at the chain that I worked with, Walgreens, was having him on board and, you know, really 
um, there to support the clinical services that we were trying to get off the ground was super helpful because if he was on board, then it really helped our pharmacists give that buy-in and support that we needed when we were actually trying to implement these services as residents in the pharmacies. And, you know, it's not really about, you know, what chain it is. I'm sure there are these people at, you know, all over the nation, but you have to have the right person um, in the administrative role that that's really going to support what you do. And Megan, the one thing I would sort of add to that is if you don't have that support is that you can still sort of begin relationship building by doing it one at a time or taking care of one patient at a time. So you can still decide how you might want to practice as a pharmacist and take care of that patient and the needs of that patient. And then by doing that, you're able to show perhaps the administrator that, wow, we really should be doing this because it's increased our bottom line or it's brought more patients into the pharmacy. Sometimes it's the squeaky wheel of of let them know what you can do as, as you try to practice and move care for because it's ultimately all about better patient care and taking good care of that patient. Not everybody sometimes has that person who's that visionary or that gives that support to and so, but you can still do it. It just is a little bit harder. So uh, basically take action and ask forgiveness later, I guess. Correct, Stuart. <laughs> that can get you in trouble though, but you have to be a little careful, but that's, um, I did that a lot, right? Don't ask permission, just ask for forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, tell us, what are the tips for success that you tell your students and residents? You know, how, how to build a practice, particularly in a community or in a community health center. You know, what are the things that you tell your students and residents that are the keys to success? So I really start when I think about being in a community-based practice. And I think back to when I first started in a community pharmacy as a new pharmacist and how sort of terrified I was and and some of the messages that I wish somebody had told me then. And it really centers around sort of getting beyond your four walls. And, And I mean that by saying to who are your big prescribers that you can team up with to take better care of your patients and how can you get to know them and begin to build those relations. So it's sort of getting outside of the four walls and, and you know, making an appointment to see them and finding out, getting to know the office staff because then they can get you in to see the physician. And the physician that we worked with was really, um, would tell us that when we went to see other doctors that we should go first thing in the morning before they started seeing patients and that we should always take a banana with us and let them, because they're always hungry, and have them eat the banana. And our spiel should to begin to talk about how what we want to do should be done by the time they finish the banana. And I never really tried that, but I think that, you know, figuring out how to just introduce yourself and be that face to the voice will really go a long way to helping you begin to build those relationships. So that's the, the really the first thing that I always tell residents, you got to get out there and, and meet the practitioners who you're working with. So it's communications. It goes a lot to trust and respect. And I think that always taking responsibility. So if you say you're going to do something to make sure that you do that and that you follow through. So the best way to lose trust is not is saying you're going to do something and not doing it. And then making sure that that you give them the timeline that you're going to do that. And then the last thing really when you go to begin to build relationships would be preparation. When you think about that as you want to be prepared, I think sometimes our pharmacists don't have the confidence to talk with other healthcare providers, but they really do have the knowledge. 
and that you can always take care of one patient at a time, no matter the barriers. I like one of the things that you just said there, Kelly, which kind of resonates with me, and that that is to make sure you follow through, you know, that you make a promise. One thing that Dan Ashby at, at Johns Hopkins Hospital, he was famous for saying is you want to under-promise and over-deliver. You know, you set deadlines and then you come in well ahead of those deadlines that you say you're going to do X and you do more than X, but you under promise and over deliver. And if you do that consistently, people will be wowed. Um, you don't want to overcommit yourself. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank Kelly for being on our show today. Um, some of the key things that just resonated with me as we were having a conversation today about building relationships is just really knowing the needs of the providers around you and you know, really putting a face and a voice together so that they know who you are. Um, trying to build that relationship comes with making time to do that. And so using your ancillary staff as much as you can, free up some time and maybe be able to get out there and really meet the providers that are working in your communities. Um, I think those are just some things that really resonated with me from this conversation. Yeah, and the other thing that kind of resonated with me was being really mindful of practitioners' time. They're very busy people, so when you do meet with them, you would do it at a time that's conducive to them. So early in the morning over lunch, bring some incentives, maybe some food. Uh, that might be another way to get in the door, but also be very succinct. You know, be clear about what your, what your ask is and understanding what their needs, asking them some questions um, and getting to know them over time. So Kelly, I really want to thank you for being with us today on the Pharmacy Forward podcast. It's really been a pleasure speaking to you. Well, thanks, Stuart and Megan, so much for having me. It's a really important topic, and hopefully some of these tips can help pharmacists make some inroads in changing their practice and, and building some good relationships that can help improve their practice so they can take better care of their patients. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app. And tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd really love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like to share about someone who's transforming knowledge into action, give us a call or send us an email. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit PharmacyCPD.org. That's PharmacyCPD.org. That's PharmacyCPD.org. This episode was conceived and developed by Andrew Burton, Josh Fleming, Lori Fleming, Megan Brown, Stephanie Osling, and Stuart Haynes.